3: Welcome to CEO Coach this wonderful Monday morning. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. Ann, where am I finding you today? Actually, I'm right at home in Portland, Oregon. Amazing. And I'm right at home in Seattle, Washington, where it is chilly. So uh, we have wonderful guests every week, and this week is no different. I'd like to welcome Kristen Luck. Kristen, welcome to CEO Coach. Thank you. And I've told the audience absolutely nothing about you. Why don't you explain? (laughs) Who are you? What do you do? And what's just happened?
4: Yeah, yeah. So I am the president and CMO of Decipher. We're a market research services and technology firm. Uh, And we have a a services-based division where we handle everything from programming surveys to um, data visualization for clients. And then we also license now our survey technology platform, Beacon.
3: Okay. So Beacon is the product there. And um, are, are you at uh, leisure to tell us um, what your distribution is? If you, are most of your income, is most of your income coming from services or coming from the uh, licensing of the software?
4: You know, it's interesting. The company um, was in business about, um, gosh, I want to say uh, nearly 10 years just doing services-based business. Uh, um, I sold my consulting firm to Decipher back in 2007. And one of the things that I was really excited about one of the key reasons I joined the firm was to it was to really drive us into that software licensing space um we had this amazing platform but we were really just using it internally and so um so the business has sort of been in a transition the last uh four or five years and our, our revenue mix is is changing pretty significantly We're you know we we were kind of Early to see the shift between clients, you know, wanting a lot of help programming services to now wanting to do it um, mostly themselves online, and so we were we've been really able to sort of catch and ride that that wave relatively early on. Mm-hmm. So definitely, our, our software um, business is growing
3: at a much faster pace
4: um, okay. than the services based business.
3: Okay. So are you able to tell us though? I mean, is it like twenty percent services at this point, or twenty percent? Uh, you know, the other. Uh, tell me, are you at leisure to tell us?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I would say now we're probably about 40% software and 60% okay.
3: services, which, you know, if you look
4: okay. at how long we've had that services business, it's a pretty significant growth. And we, you know, we have a fair yes, number of players on the software side. So,
3: um, yes, the software is definitely
4: our primary focus.
3: Right. So that's a very similar trajectory as uh, we had at Moz so many years ago, uh, the company that I helped to found, um, in which we moved from services to software. And what we did was productization of software and uh, that we had also been using in-house. And from there, it uh, took off greatly. So fascinating journey. Tell us yeah. what else just happened, Kristen, because I know, you know, knows, <laughs> and knows, yeah. and our audience wants to know now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were recently acquired.
4: Um, We were acquired by Focus Vision Worldwide, which is a Connecticut-based qualitative technology uh, firm. And they're backed by Thompson Street Advisors, which is a private equity firm based out of St. Louis. So um, we have officially uh, sold, and we are in the process of of integrating our firms.
3: Amazing stuff. Congratulations.
5: Yeah,
4: thank you. It's
5: an exciting moment. It reminds me of what they say about people who own boats. The two best days, the day you buy a boat, (laughs) the day you sell it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Indeed. It,
5: it, was this it, it, was this uh, something that you had uh, targeted from the time that you joined the company and and started to grow these software? Was it was this part of the exit plan, or did this happen more organically?
4: No, absolutely. And I mean, I think a lot of what we were looking at, you know, I mean, anytime you have a business and you have services and software, obviously the goal is to you know grow the software side as much as you can because that increases your your valuation. Um, and so for us, it was like, how can we, what's that sweet spot where we feel like we've grown the software enough where we can really go out for that, that higher multiplier and get a higher valuation. And so for us, that was, you know, we had kind of looked at shopping the business a couple of years ago. The market was still a little soft. Um, our software business wasn't exactly where we wanted it to be. And, um, the timing was just right this last year, you know, the market's been really strong. You know, we got a good multiplier. Um, you know, we found a good strategic partner, you know, where the merging of the business has made a lot of sense. So, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. I'd love it if you would run us through the process then. So what you're saying is very, well, because that's what everybody wants to know. What does it look like? What does sale look like, right? This is the end goal. So the first thing I think you're saying is you planned for this end goal. This was something you did both strategically and tactically. Talk about those early days in which you decided we are building a company to do the following. And one of those things was we would like to sell.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously you're, you know, you're focused on the, on the product a, a lot. And then that's what we're really looking at is, I, I think it wasn't just about selling for us. It was also about the the long-term stability of our business. And, and you know, we, as a partner, I've, I have two partners in the business. Um, they're the two co-founders of the company. And, you know, we, we also had to come to terms with the fact that some of us were more interested in staying in the business long term than others. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, part of it was figuring out, you know, what, what's the best time to sell, but also how quickly can we develop these products and what, what's going to be the product that really is going to offer the biggest bank for its buck from a valuation perspective and where's the industry sort of going. And Mm -hmm. it's challenging in some ways, you know, we, you know, we, we are in a rather cluttered commoditized industry. And you know, we've got SurveyMonkey and Qualtrics and all these big players. Um, and you know, we only have one very, very small um private equity partner invested in the firm. The rest of it's been totally self funded. So, you know, for us to to make a big play in that space took a significant amount of effort and And certainly, you know, we wanted to monetize that at the end of the day.
3: Right. So you said something interesting. You said that you are a player in a commoditized industry. And that always sounds like a death knell. Oh, nobody wants to invest in you. Nobody will ever buy it. Uh, It will never go anywhere because it's just going to eat your margins until you go bust. How did you manage it? Because you not only managed it, but you did well enough to sell at a good multiple, which means that somebody else thinks the multiples will remain uh, solid and they will see their money out again. Right. How did you do it? Well, what was the I think difference? a lot of yeah. I think a lot of what what we did was from a marketing
4: and branding standpoint. Um, and and in the early days, that meant a lot of you know we didn't have much money to spend on it, so it was a lot of like hitting the street and doing a lot of writing and public speaking and you know really trying to get our name out there. And I think trying trying to focus on branding that was less utilitarian, which I think mm-hmm. is what technology products tend to focus on. And really try to come up with a more aspirational branding strategy where we're focused more on, you know, like what, you know, what can the product do for you? You know, how can it fundamentally change how you work every day? Um, you know, what are some new and different ways you can work with this product that you might not have thought of before? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what you have to do because otherwise you end up competing on price. And as you know, when you are only competing on price, that's a really, really dangerous place to be no um, question
3: about it yeah right yeah so you so avoided, okay so that's a critical takeaway i think folks who are listening here in order to avoid commoditization of your own company especially in a commoditized market right what you focus on is something beyond the utilitarian aspects you'd focus on aspirational aspects and some of that is what can we do for you
4: yeah absolutely.
3: interesting Interesting stuff. Okay. So um, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but before we do that, tell me about um, this concept of the exit plan before start. Did it speak to you about what you were going to build?
4: Um, You know, I mean, I I think what probably drove the build the most was client need, because we kind of felt like if there was a client need that it would eventually drive those, those investment or acquisition opportunities, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly we did. I was a lot baiting of- you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was baiting you, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to well, make that point that, that yeah, although yeah. you did say yes, we kind of had in mind that we wanted to sell in the future, and at some point, some would take. You know, some would stay, some would go. This sort of thing, you know, depending on how long you want to stay there. It really isn't just about building a company to sell it. It really no, is about yeah. making sure that you better yeah, yeah. build to fit a market. So well, that that think- is brilliant.
4: I think one of the things that we did do right is we did a lot of competitive analysis. We did a lot of Ah. like industry shopping our competitors. We looked at their marketing materials. We looked at their pricing. We, you know, we spent a fair amount of time doing that. Um, And I think that also helped us a lot with our positioning and our branding and how we knew that, you know, what's a good go to market that's really going to differentiate us. And I think it's interesting because we're a research firm doing research, Um, but, but we got a lot of questions about that and you would be surprised and shocked at how many research firms don't do any research. <laughs> um On their own brand, you know, and yeah. actually poo poo it kind of so um oh my word,, right. so I think it was one of the really smart things that we did.
3: So as we wrap up here in segment one, CEO, coach, uh, let's recap a little bit. What you're really saying here is um, you ate your own dog food. You did your own research. (laughs) You used your own tools or whatever to do them, and you found that you uh, were focused on a competitive landscape. You did a lot of mystery shopping. You checked prices, the customer service models, and your positioning got better because you really understood the depth of what your market looked like. Brilliant stuff. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We'll be right back.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO coach after this. Introducing rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end to end mobile platform where you can make real time app modifications from a point and click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app point, click and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app point, click and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest growing full service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. VA in all-inclusive marketing means award-winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement, and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
5: And we are back at CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and today we're talking to Kristen Luck of Decipher, Inc., um, which she has just in the, been in the process, has sold it. Um, Kristen, this is fascinating. We really enjoyed hearing you talk about um, the whole background of how you built the software, end of the company to get a good multiple to sell it. I wonder now if you could talk a little bit about the actual process for our listeners of selling the company. The you know, step A, step B, step C. Um, what, what are the, some of the pitfalls that you came across that um, our listeners might find useful to hear about?
4: Yeah, so, um, wow. Selling a company is a lot of work, <laughs> 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 you know, and it's, um, it's, it's really challenging. I was, you know, fortunately, you know, there were three of us involved in the process and, um, I have to admit, I'm not sure that I was, a uh, you know, a ton of help through the process simply because my primary role is as outward facing. So, um, you know, my job was really to keep the business flowing and make sure that, you know, we stayed at the forefront of, of the industry while the sale process was going, was going on. Um, and so I was really fortunate that, that my two partners drove a lot of that process, but I will say there were a couple things that, that we did to sort of set us up, um, set us up for that journey. The first is that we hired an investment bank to represent us. Um, we worked with a, a firm called Petsky Prunier out of, um, Manhattan, Uh, and they really worked to help us pull all of our due diligence materials together. They helped us put together our initial pitch deck. Um, and then they shopped us. Uh, we put together a pretty comprehensive list of, um, both strategic, uh, position, you know, strategic acquisition targets, the companies that we thought we might be a good fit for. Uh, and then also a list of private equity firms that we felt we, you know, we might want to work with if it was just a strict, you know, venture capital sort of deal. So, um, so they were really, really influential. And then, you know, uh, then there's just a really long due diligence process that, you know, is kind of like having a daily body cavity exam. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's lovely. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well stated. <laughs> so, um <laughs> so, uh, you provided them this list. Uh, how did you develop the list of potential buyers and investors?
4: Yeah. So, you know, some of it was suggested, you know, particularly on the investment front, you know, Pepsi was great about suggesting some investors that we probably didn't know about. Um, you know, on the strategic front, all of us, all three of us have been in the industry a pretty long um, period of time. Uh, we knew which firms that we thought would be a good fit for us and not just from a, from a technology or business fit, but also from a cultural fit. And I think that's something really, really important to consider. Um, and, it, and it's something that we spent a lot of time thinking about when we went through this process, because you know, yes, there's the sale, there's the day that the sale closes, you get this monstrous check, you're super happy. But the fact of the matter is that we also had nearly 200 employees that were on this journey with us. And, you know, there's the next day for them and hopefully a next year and a next year and a next year. And so you want to make sure that you're, you know, that you're partnering with somebody who believes in the same vision that you do and that ultimately it is on the same path that you are. Um, and that's harder to define sometimes. Uh, and there were definitely, there were some companies, you know, when we put together the list where I was like, no, absolutely, that's not a company that I would want to work for or work in, like I've witnessed their corporate culture all, or I've seen how they do business and I don't want to do business like that. So
3: the negative keywords are as important as the keywords. <laughs> the negative list, if you will, is as important as the list itself. You okay. know, this
5: is an interesting point, Jillian, because, you know, we talk often on this show about um, culture and how important it is how it drives sales, how to hire for culture. And now I'm hearing that when you uh, sell your company, you need to sell for culture as well. And I think that's such a strong point. I just wanted to underscore it.
3: I totally agree. It's it's worth underscoring. Um, so Crap. Uh, Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Okay, we're gonna back up. If you dropped out, we're gonna back up I We're did. uncertain as to whether or not the others did. Let's go back a couple of statements. We had just made some comments as you completed your statement. So Anne, okay. we're gonna okay. jump in again. You first and then me. We'll do five seconds, then Anne.
5: I think that's such an important point to talk about culture. Kristen and Jillian, you know, you and I talk about culture often on this show. We talk about hiring for culture. We talk about um, uh, culture and how it drives sales. And now, what we're hearing is that when you sell your company, you need to sell for culture. And I think that's a really important point to underscore.
3: Yes, I totally agree. We, you and I talk a lot about culture, corporate culture, and its um, critical pa- uh, piece in success of companies. And sometimes we do miss that piece. You sell for it as well. So brilliant stuff. Um, tell me, as you moved along here, did you find the buyer, or did they find you? Um. Well,
4: we we found the buyer because Petsky actually went and Petsky and shopped found them. the buyer. Yeah. yeah okay. And so they, were they definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. They, I I believe they did. I mean, there were definitely some companies along the way, um, that reached out to me because they had heard through the grapevine that we were up for sale. Um, and so, you know, we connected them with Petsky because they were really the ones managing the process for us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I believe that, that Thompson Street and, and Focus Vision were actually part of that, that outreach that, that Petsky okay. did.
3: Are you at liberty to tell us what Petsky charges? Is it a percentage <laughs> of it? Is it by the hour? Uh, how do they uh, func- you know, function in terms of what people should be expecting if you go hire a company like this?
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a percentage. Um, and if you don't sell for whatever reason or decide to back out of the process and there's just a flat, a flat rate for all the work that they put in, they do a tremendous amount of work. Um, you know, I can't, uh, I can't downplay the amount of work that it is to go through due diligence process, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, when you're, you need to have your, you know, all of your technology validated and, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work. So, um, you know, what, it was a good, It was a good plan for us because it was a really, really technical sale. And I think that we needed, you know, we really needed that, that assistance and help and also to just make sure that our business stayed on track, you know, because the worst, the worst thing that could happen is that you're going out for sale, you have a good valuation and then your business tanks because your eyes not on the ball. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, we nailed our projected budget numbers and that, you know, we were going to get, you know, the return on, on what we were trying to do.
3: So um, I'd say what you're saying is, yes, it's a positive experience. One should really consider hiring this outsourced kind of company, whether this one or another. Um, they charge a percentage of what you will reap, and they are well worth the effort. Um, but perhaps most importantly, because they do that work and you focus on your business. Yeah. Really good point. Um, in terms of that kind of that work Tell us, dive in a little bit. What did you have to produce for these folks? What is uh, this due diligence package? I mean, we get that it's only going to be around software and so on. So it's fairly focused. But a lot of the folks listening to this show do exactly that kind of stuff. So again, give them an insight into what this is going to look like.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's basically a documentation process of every single element of your business. And when I say every single element, I mean everything from like your HR manual to your insurance coverage, every, every, every piece of your financials, um, your, you know, who you bank with, um, you know, how many employees you have, if you've had any lawsuits, um, you know, background checks and all key managers, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, office leases, uh, you know, every piece of legal or documentation around the business that you can imagine goes into that due diligence process. And, you know, a lot of that Petsky had prepped us for, um, and, um, you know, we, we had, uh, you know, pretty what I felt was a pretty comprehensive package going in a data room, you know, an online data room that we had. But um, certainly when we got down into the actual nitty gritty of the deal and we're trying to close, there was a uh, a pretty significant process there that we still had to go through and a lot of additional detail that was asked for. So
3: it's right. Yeah. It's a lot of I would agree. Um, yeah. yeah, I would agree. I think, uh, you know, the the experiences are probably pretty similar across the board. Once you think you've got everything there, there will be a lot <laughs> more being asked. <laughs> yes. So, right. More than so you could ever imagine. <laughs> yes. Okay. What surprised you most about this process?
4: You know, I mean, I think for me personally, it was probably a really emotional process. Um, you know, what I realized about myself during during the process is that, um, that I actually had a really high degree of satisfaction with how the company was currently running and how things, um, you know, sort of what I did on a day to day basis and, and that I was really resistant to that changing in any way. And, and certainly, you know, whenever you go through a a sale, things are going to change. Um, -hmm. and so for me, it's funny because I think as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you know, everybody's focused on, Hey, you know, you're selling, and it's this amazing experience, and awesome. You got a huge check, and like, it's life changing, and and then and then the the next day you wake (laughs) right, and then you wake up the next day, and you're like shit like i i'm kind of depressed about it <laughs> um you know like oh well, that's
3: very know. interesting because i would have said the same um i only took a partial exit from uh the company that i was co-founding and not a big sale and so on so the company itself wasn't changing and all of that and yet there is that thing and i think perhaps Anne, you would have the same as you sold yours um that that thing that says you wake up in the morning and your eyes stare at the ceiling and you go oh my heavens no
5: and so you called it at the time Jillian I think uh one eye laughing and one eye crying
3: yes yeah. Yes, absolutely. What I did, and I wonder if you did something around this too, Kristen, what I did was to call up my very longest term friend. I shouldn't say my oldest friend because that would refer to the age, but rather to <laughs> my longest term friend. I have you know, friends who are older than she is. And uh, we had known each other since we were eight years old. And you can tell a good friend, you know, from this sort of thing. She came up, she lives in Silicon Valley, with her spouse, right, and parked herself inside our condo and was there before i walked out of the company at the end of the day she didn't come to the company she didn't make any noises there but they flew up and they were there and the next morning well we had a busy dinner and how are you and catching up and who knows what and the next morning there were suitcases all over the place and four middle-aged people got into a car and went out on a road trip everybody else get off the highway you know we had a great time but the point was you wanted to be busy what did you do after you knew that this was done what was well, your, I have to <laughs> I don't know <laughs> your process
4: yeah well it's interesting because I think my my partner jamin texted me at, I want to say it was at 637 in the morning I was just kind of getting out of bed I'm not an early morning person at all um, and uh, he texted me and I literally started crying and I'm not and which was very like an odd reaction for me I mean I'm not a crier at all I mean it it's laughable in my family. Everybody jokes around how like somebody, you know, we could be watching the most emotional, weird movie in the world. And I'm the one person with the dry eye. So, right. um, so it was a really just a strange reaction for me. And then, you know, my first reaction was I need to get downstairs and check my email and like see what business I'm going to close today. And so, you know, it was almost like I was on autopilot in in a lot right. of ways. Right. Um,
3: so crying is an interesting uh, physical response that does not mean one is sad um, right. <laughs> it, it's uh, literally it's if you will a, a stress release or a, a physical stress release though a muscle thing right it doesn't have much to do with your brain so that's an interesting response it just kind of gives you an idea of how much tightness there was wound up in all of this process and now oh yeah. it's over so that's intriguing and and something to note and the second one also the autopilot to simply return to exactly what you had done yeah yeah so fascinating stuff how about you (laughs) ann what did you do when you woke up the first time and didn't have to log into that email (laughs) (laughs) i was
5: uh i was actually in africa on a safari so i went out and looked oh that's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) having having conducted one phone call uh uh one lengthy phone call to close the deal from uh, mm-hmm. the safari camp. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an emotional moment. There's a bit of grief and a bit of, um, a bit of joy. It's, it's a very mixed up kind of thing. And having things to keep busy is always good. I think we need to take a break. Before, yes, I mean, we could go on talking take,
3: forever. Absolutely. But before yeah. we take the break, we have to take a vote here. And I would say, hands down, Anne got it right. <laughs> she may, yes. <laughs> a safari. Agree. All right, we got to have a show on everybody who's ever either exited or sold or whatever it is a company, and see what it was we did. I think Ann, you're going to win. <laughs> oh, Let's okay. take that break here at CEO Coach. We'll be right back.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done, no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to shipstation.com slash webmaster radio now. Shipping nirvana starts here. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking today with Kristen, who recently sold a company. We're so thrilled that you're kind of you know, sharing this information about what it was like and so on. As we wrap up here, Kristen, can you give us perhaps your, your top tips, two, three, ten of them, whatever, to CEOs and, or entrepreneur founding groups who are about to face this sort of thing themselves? Maybe an insight into what to expect or not to be surprised about or uh, anything else you can say that will help them get to success.
4: Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would say is that it's a long process and it's, you know, for us, like I mentioned, we went out to market, you know, two years ago and the timing just wasn't right. And so we backed away from it. And I think it's um I think a lot of times people get wrapped up in the ego behind the sale and and aren't okay with saying, like, hey, it's okay to step away and say, like, it's not the right time, or this deal doesn't feel right, or this isn't the right the right path for me at this point. So I think that's you know, that's a really valuable lesson. It was disappointing for all of us when we decided not to sell two years ago, but at the same time, gosh. I'm so happy we didn't because we ended up with a much better valuation and a much better market, you know, two years later. Um, right. Patience. You know? Patience. Yeah, absolutely. And I, okay. I think too, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't admit, don't be afraid to admit that, hey, you don't understand something. I mean, I can't even tell you how many meetings I sat in with private equity guys where they said something and I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to need you to clarify that. I, I don't understand and the truth of the matter is that no one else in the room understood either. I was just the only one that bothered to ask.
3: So, <laughs> right, right. Have yeah. the guts to say so. And I think that's Absolutely. a big thing too. And perhaps there's a lot of uh, female-male thing in there as well. I do Maybe. find that women, <laughs> yes, women do tend to do that more frequently. But I also find, and catch this, everybody who's listening, I find that it isn't just a male-female thing. It is one of those, if you will, habits of successful CEOs. Yes. So I do find that man or fee- uh, you know, man or woman – if they ask, they are more likely to succeed. So it's okay to say, uh, say that in English <laughs> right. yep, and exactly. they get an explanation. Okay. Exactly. What else would you uh, counsel us? Because this is good stuff.
4: Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I mean, I think keeping your eye on the core business is really important. And it's really easy to, to step away from that and, and, and lose sight of that. Again, we were really fortunate because there were three of us in the mix. And so, you know, I knew when Jamin and Jamie kind of had their heads down and were working on the deal. And my job was to make sure that, Hey, the, the train stayed on the tracks and you know, that we were hitting all of our numbers. Um, you know, the worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen, like I mentioned, is to not hit your numbers when you're in the middle of negotiating right. <laughs> what your valuation is. So um,
3: that would be you know. very reasonable. So, so I think your tip number four is keep your eye on the business or eye on the ball. Yep. If you falter yep. now, all is lost. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So um, in in terms of uh, using that outside uh, help source, um, it isn't just about saying, you know, ask and say it in English and that sort of thing, but rather perhaps using an outside service as you did? Well, you know, would you say always?
4: No, you know, I mean, I guess it just depends on your, your comfort level and the size of the deal. I mean, I think it was a good decision for us, but you know, I, I know lots of people that have sold their companies and you know, negotiated deals without using an investment bank, that was, you know, I think it's a pretty personal choice. You know, I will say, I think it helps to surround yourself with smart people. And, you know, I'm really fortunate throughout my career. I've cultivated a lot of, you know, solid connections and advisors and people that I talk to when I have questions that are completely unrelated to my business, you know? So Mm -hmm. I have friends that are CFOs of big companies and people that are in private equity world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I had questions along the way or if I just needed a sounding board, you know, I'm not afraid to reach out and have those conversations. And I think that's that's really important. And and that kind of relates back to the ego thing, like, you know, you, you know, really cultivate and use your network. I mean your personal networks are really, really important. And you know, hopefully I'm I'm returning the favor to those same people.
3: So makes sense. And then the last thing I would last ask you to address in terms of a tip perhaps is how do you message this to your staff?
4: Yeah, and you know, that's one of the that's one of the challenges. Um you know, is that you want to give information, but you don't want to give too much information. You know, you want mm-hmm. to let them know you're in process, but you know, I always, I always kind of um, err on the side of giving more information rather than a little because what I find is that when people don't have a lot of information, imaginations run wild. And when mm-hmm. imaginations run wild, it makes people do crazy things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Kidding.
3: <laughs> like leave and stuff like that, like leave or, you know, or start make this, rumors
4: <laughs> yeah, or make personal decisions that they might not make. Otherwise, you know, um, you know, we, you know, we, we had an employee that had a, you know, a, a, a personal situation and, and really just didn't want to talk about it because they were, they were worried about job security. And, you know, what we really wanted to stress employees is that, you know, really nothing should change for you day to day and that we're still committed to your happiness and your health and success here at the company. And, you know, we're giving you as much information as we can without, you know, obviously blowing the confidentiality deals that we have in place with, with the potential buyers. So, you know, again, I think more information is better than less, but it is, it is a real delicate balancing act.
3: Okay. So we're going to wrap up here at CEO coach with these really hot tips. Um, Thank you so much, Kristen. Uh, So be prepared for the time it takes could be months or years. Number 2, watch for out for wrapping up your ego with this sale. It's okay to back away if things aren't perfect at the moment. Chances are they will be much better in the next year, so it's okay to start and stop. Get help. Say things like, uh, say that in English. Uh, When you don't understand something, the clarity will take it a long way, and probably nobody else in the room understood anyway. (laughs) Keep your eye on the business, right? If you falter now, all is lost. Do not let those numbers slip, Number five is consider using an investment bank. Uh, not necessarily, but surround yourself with really smart people. Now's a good time to call in all of those mentors, favors, friends, colleagues who have done it, anybody and everybody you know. The more information will make you, you know, smarter. More information makes you smarter. And then finally... That balance on giving information. You don't want to give too much, of course, and spoil things, but you want to err, perhaps, on the side of giving too much to your staff. Lack of information will drive them to do crazy things. They will leave the company. They'll start rumors. They won't ask for help when they need it. They'll do all these fear-driven decisions and actions that are bad news for you, for them, and for the company. So, err on the side of giving them more rather than less. And, of course, ask them to keep it under their hat because those things are important. Kristen it's been wonderful um tell me how do folks reach you at the uh, <laughs> excuse me at the new company just in case
4: um well you can uh connect with me on LinkedIn I'm on LinkedIn and also on Twitter my Twitter handles uh Kristen Luck uh or you can reach me at Kristen at com
3: super deal thank you so much for being with us today you can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm through iTunes Stitcher and so many other places we hope you'll stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast again facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast we put in links to the important information shared here on the show and we hope you'll stop by click the like button or something let us know you're there ask questions tell us who you'd like us to have an, as a guest on this show and what questions you want answered right here at CEO Coach. Till next week, this is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy.